Hello, everyone, and welcome to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. Hope you're having a great Thursday night. Thank you for choosing to listen to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. We have a packed show for you tonight. We will talk about the latest on the Dallas Cowboys kicking news because Greg Starline might not be available for the Cowboys next Sunday when they face the Atlanta Falcons. We'll talk about who might replace him and who I strongly believe will take his place and what to expect from him. We'll also talk about a Cowboys offense that is low-key struggling when it comes to pass protection. And I've found that we have not talked about that enough. The stat is quite interesting, and I got impressed by that. We'll also take an early look to the, at the Atlanta Falcons, and I will share with you some thoughts on, listen, we might be getting paralysis by analysis, and the Cowboys do have a favorable matchup ahead of them next Sunday. And finally, we'll just talk about the Cowboys betting spread because I was very impressed by it. And thank you for joining me. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you share the show. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, let your friends know that you're watching ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. Thank you, Dallas Young, for being here, saying any kicker but Brett Maher. I will tell you that the guy that the Cowboys are going to replace him with, I strongly doubt that he has anything to do with Brett Maher. We, we've already seen this kicker with the Cowboys, and that is the way I would assume the Cowboys are going to lean towards. Now, Tommy saying, what's up, Mauricio? Thank you for being here. Now that more of us are here... Let's get ready to start the show officially. Let's talk about the Cowboys. Let's have a great Tuesday night. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I'm Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network with a lot more content coming your way throughout the entire 2021 season. Make sure you check out the site out. Make sure you check it out, adcsports.com slash Dallas. Some great articles by Cole Patterson, by Alec Cash, Shane Carter, and the great team that we have over here. You will also be able to find some great Mavericks content now that the NBA is starting to heat up a little bit. Make sure you check out the site for your Dallas sports content. I'm excited to be with you tonight. I, I, will, I will tell you something that's been on my mind all day before we begin the show officially. And I will actually share, I will say it's a story that I was told today about Lyle Collins for tomorrow's segment of One Cool Thing. As you guys know, every Sunday we do this segment in which we share either sports news or personal news. The point is, it is our One Cool Thing of the Week. I will save this story for tomorrow night. Make sure you tune in. It's a Lyle Collins story and it is... Those kind of stories that, you know, you hear about a guy and you earn and you generate this respect for him. So I know that Cowboys fans have been a little bit mad about what has happened with Collins, the suspension. People are not super happy about number 71 so far. But hey, I heard a cool story from another Dallas Cowboys player. And I want to share it with you tomorrow night here on the One Cool Thing segment. So a little bit of a teaser there. But I talked to none other than the greatest Dallas Cowboys to ever live, Isaac Alarcón. 
you know, I had a great morning. I interviewed him. I'm sure that one day you will be able to see this interview probably next week. It was very fun. The Mexican player on the Dallas Cowboys roster, he told me a story about Lyle Collins that I want to share with you, and I will tell a little bit about it tomorrow night here on the show. But yeah, it's been a great day. I, I wanted to interview Isaac for a long time. As you guys know, I'm from Mexico, so it really means a lot to have a player playing for the Cowboys, even though it's in practice squad. And I and it was very fun to talk with him. He's a very cool guy, and I cannot wait to share with you that story because I think it's a simple story, but it really speaks to how cool of a person Lyle Collins might be. Also a Dak Prescott story, actually, now that I think about it, also a Dak Prescott story. So it was very fun. Cannot wait to share it with you. The interview, full disclaimer, was not for ADC Sports. The thing is that I am from another campus in another city, but basically from the same college that Isaac is from. So I do some stuff for the site over there, which is just basically local sports more than anything else. And they were able to get Isaac. And that was very unexpected, but it was very fun as well. Got the first like in, says Tommy. Thank you for joining the show. Adam, what is up? Tom Down is burning our account saying this is a good way to end the day. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Tom Down is burning our account, you know, getting all my feelings. <clears throat> I'm kidding. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Bring back Forbet, says Suave TV. I don't know about that. I don't know if that will happen. He wants cakes to stomp down his Bernier account. He surely does, does want. That's big moves. Good stuff, bro. Dallas Junk, thank you. I love what Arcons is Tommy. I hope one day here and see spot on the 53-man roster. Hopefully that happens. Hopefully that happens because he's working his butt off to make that 53-man roster. But anyways, let's get back to the Cowboys news. Tomorrow night, I will talk to, about, to you about these stories, about Lyle Collins and about Dak Prescott. They were very fun but I will save them for the one cool thing segment of the week. So make sure you tune in tomorrow night. Now, Rex Sorling is headed to the COVID-19 reserve for the Dallas Cowboys, and he might be unavailable for the Falcons game this weekend. And a lot of people asking about maybe Brett Maher coming back or maybe Kai Forbat coming back. But honestly, if we take a look at the facts and what the Cowboys have done this season, it might be about Lirim Hairulahu. Maybe not a very exciting name for you because we have not seen him a lot in the NFL, but the Cowboys flirted with him during the training camp phase of the year, during preseason, and I would assume that the Cowboys are leaning towards getting Lirim Hairulahu for this weekend because I do believe that even though some fans, and including, for example, we have the perfect comment here from Kyle, and I understand this feeling perfectly. He says, we need a better kicker, and we probably we would be better off with a better kicker. The problem is, what are we going to get one, right? Where are the Cowboys going to go to the market and get a better kicker than Greg Sorlin? I don't think that necessarily exists. Or maybe you're just flipping a coin to try and land a, an efficient kicker. And that is a problem in the NFL lately. But if you stick with Greg, the leg, at least you know that, hey, maybe you, you've got an inconsistent kicker, but at least you have a guy that can nail those 50-plus yarders if the Cowboys ever need to kick one late in the game to win the game or to tie a game or anything like that. So I'm also not very happy about getting about where the Cowboys stand at the kicker position, but I also realize that there are not a lot of free agents. And you can do this exercise yourself. Make Go to Google and ask Google, like, who are the free agents at a kicker right now available in 2021? You will not like the names. You really will not. And if you like the name, 
chances are you're talking about an old kicker, right? So I do think that the Cowboys will stick with Greg Sarline in the long run, but I think that in the meantime, we will get Lirium Hairulahu, who has a great story, by the way, and we've talked about this before the regular season started here on primetime. We talked about this guy being an immigrant, going to Canada and learning English, actually, as he started to play sports in Canada, including football, uh, soccer, and just a little bit of everything. And then Lirium Hairulahu played in the CFL, He had some long field goals over there and some records. And in the spring league, he once nailed a 59-yarder for, uh, for a spring league team. Of course, I am not daring to compare the NFL with the spring league, but at least you get an idea that, hey, Lirium Hairulahu kind of, get, kind of can play in the NFL, maybe. He's been with the Carolina Panthers. He has been briefly with the Rams. Actually, when they got rid of Greg Sarland, he was in the running to become the Rams kicker. Not a very favorite candidate, but he was there in the mix. So the Cowboys, I would assume, they're going to sign Lirium. And hopefully, we're playing the Falcons, so hopefully we do not need to be very worried about the Cowboys' kicking situation because if everything goes according to plan, the Cowboys as nine-point favorites... And I know that we don't trust anything anymore after what happened on Sunday. But the Cowboys should be heavy favorites versus Atlanta. So hopefully nothing happens with Lerum. Now, missed how many in the Tampa game, says Kyle. And that is the frustration for, for Greg Sorlin, of course. He is far from perfect. But I'm just saying, I do think that the Cowboys stick with him because I'm not sure there is a lot of, <laughs> of options. Now, Dario says, let's go get Martin Gramatica. That is Probably, I would assume, the first Cowboys kicker that I remember watching. You guys know I'm not that old. I'm 22 years old. <laughs> so uh, even though I look even younger. But I do think that Martin Gramatica might be, or, or at least the first Madden kicker that I remember using when playing Madden. I'm not entirely sure if I'm right about this. Maurice's favorite kicker was Mike Vanderjack to Stevie Mack. That is not the case, though. Uh, we don't kick field goals anyway. Fourth and one run, fourth and two runs, says Joel Wilson. You know my thoughts on this. We talked about this last night. I'm all for it. Hey, if the Cowboys want to go for it in fourth and short, let them do so. And if Larry Mahirula, who is your kicker next Sunday, that might be the case. Tom Down is burner account, also bringing up Mike Vanderjack. During Grammatica, I heard himself celebrating. That happened. That actually happened, as D-Town is mentioning. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes for the Cowboys in the kicking department. Hopefully not a very high concern for Cowboys fans next Sunday. Hopefully not. Now, moving on to a topic that I wanted to talk about. Tom is asking about Greg's health. He's not really hurt. He was placed on the COVID-19 list. Greg Sterling was placed in the COVID-19 list and might not be available next Sunday versus the Falcons. Moving on to a next topic, though. Are the Cowboys struggling a little bit more than we believe when it comes to pass protection? I think that we kind of know this is the case, given that, you know, Lyle Collins was not available for five games now that Tyron Smith is injured and that Tyler Viadish and Connor Williams have not had great seasons on the inside. So this might not be a surprise for a lot of people, but I, I was actually impressed about this stat. According to ESPN's pass block win rate, and in case you're not familiar with this stat, it measures how often the protection from an offensive lineman holds up for at least two and a half seconds. 
maybe a little bit not a you know not a 100% reliable stat but a relevant number nevertheless especially when the number is quite extreme right so if you are a top 5 team in pass rush win rate i think that's relevant but it's also relevant if you are a bottom 5 team in the NFL in this category and that is the case for the Dallas Cowboys they actually rank 28th when it comes to ESPN's pass block win rate we know that the Cowboys have been struggling because we have seen what has happened with some of these players, especially on the inside. And now that Tyron Smith was gone and Trent Steele had to play on the left side, we know that it was not an, a pretty game from Steele versus the Broncos last Sunday. But still, 28th as a unit in the NFL in pass block win rate. That's a little bit concerning, but also a little bit of kudos to Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott, who have been able mostly, without you know excluding last week's game, mostly try to uh, and hide it because the Cowboys are a top five offense in just about any category that you pick, whether that's an advanced statistic like EPA per play or DVOA, or if you're choosing passing yards or, well, not passing yards because the Cowboys have gone to the other side because most of the time they have been leading in the scoreboard. So an interesting situation. I mean, a lot of turnover on the line these years just Tom down his burner account. That is completely right. For, for the five consecutive games, the Cowboys did not have Lyle Collins at right tackle. And then the game in which he kind of comes back, even though he was on the bench, Tyron Smith gets hurt. And then one week later, you have Lyle Collins back at right tackle and still at left tackle. So I agree with Tom Downey's burner account. There has been a lot of turnover on the line this year, which is why I think that the Cowboys decided to risk it when it comes to, you know, playing still on the left side of the ball because and, and actually on this topic something related big duke duke Manyweather, who is the offseason coach for lyle collins tyler viadich and some other nfl players he had some interesting quotes on his twitter account today and he was talking actually with jeff cavano and he was talking about maybe we are overthinking things regarding the cowboys offensive line as you guys know here on primetime this has been a frequent topic right a, a frequent topic of conversation where should the Cowboys play Terrence Steele where should the Cowboys play Lyle Collins who is better than the other what is the best combination of five offensive linemen but I think that Duke Manyweather was very direct on his Twitter today and he said bottom line Terrence Steele is not as, as comfortable on the left side but he is a right tackle number two and now that Collins is back well he's a backup and then on the other side of the offensive line you have Ty Seke, who is your backup left tackle. Now, it was an interesting thought because we have been thinking about Terrence Steele being the Cowboys swing tackle when maybe the Cowboys actually originally looked at Steele as a backup right tackle and at, at Seke as a backup left tackle and not really Steele as a swing tackle. That changed, of course, because Steele earned the right to remain on the field. But that is an interesting thought that Duke Manyweather, who actually coaches Lyle Collins shared on his Twitter, and I was very intrigued about it. Maybe we are overthinking it. And I do love what Duke Manyweather does, in case you guys are not familiar with him. He is one of the most known names in the private coaching world, and he actually trains a lot of draft prospects, a lot of NFL players. He holds this offensive lineman summit every year in which the best offensive linemen in the NFL gather and talk about techniques and methodologies and things like that. So, we might be overthinking things a little bit when it comes to the Cowboys offensive line. So 
once again, as we've talked about frequently on primetime, I don't think that you see any kind of change next week if, if Tyron Smith is not back from injury. I think that, you know, Collins remains over at the right side and still either remains at left tackle or maybe he competes with Ty and Seke, which I hope not because Nseke has not looked either. And I would much rather have the Cowboys risk still improving drastically this week. Now that he has more practice on the left side, I think he will do a better job against a somewhat of a poor defense from the Falcons. Good evening, Charlie, and thank you for being here in the show. Get Doug free out of retirement, says Tom down his burner account. Rudy Garza is asking about Michael Gallup. Is he coming back? What about Gallup coming back? I think that is the expectation. We will know more tomorrow for sure when the first injury reports come, come out. I'm expecting Gallup to play on Sunday. I think many are. And if not, that would be unfortunate because the Cowboys are the, the time to activate him to the 53-man roster is running out. Remember that these players have a 21-day practice window. So I think that we will know more about Michael Gallup tomorrow and even more so on Thursday when we start realizing whether he is on pace to play. I believe he is. The past two weeks, the Cowboys coaching staff, including and mainly Mike McCarthy, he has said that the Cowboys were hopeful for Gallup to play versus the Vikings, hopeful for him to play versus the Broncos. Let's see if that hopeful word changes to we expect him to because there's a big difference there. There's a big difference between those two words, and I think the speech from the Cowboys coaching staff will change tomorrow. D-Town says, hopefully Tyron Smith will be healthy soon, says D-Town. Hopefully that is the case. T.C. Clark over at Facebook is making a question that I would assume some Cowboys fans are making themselves as well. Should we sign OBJ? And before you say no, which I would assume that many fans will lean towards no, because, you know, he's been problematic with the Browns, with the Giants and stuff. If we think about it as neutral NFL fans, without any bias, and you think about the Packers adding OBJ, you would be a little bit maybe concerned about Aaron Rodgers getting that weapon or the same to, for other offenses in the NFL. But if it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, if it comes when, when you're talking about your own team, it changes, right? Because the reaction is, as Cal is saying, OBJ is your problem. No thanks. No BJ, says Alfonso Armendariz. Joshua says, too, mo too much drama. No to OBJ, says Daryl Gibson. And I, I actually agree with you guys. I would not want OBJ on the Dallas Cowboys because I kind of like what the Cowboys have going within their locker room, and I don't want to risk it. But also, on the other hand, OBJ kind of has a point in, we, in what he has said about the Browns and the entire drama going on at Cleveland. OBJ is part of the problem as well, make no mistake about it. But I saw the other day an interesting stat, and this is from Chilkipedia from The Athletic. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that, that last name right. I'm sorry if I'm not. But Chilkipedia from The Athletic had these numbers out the other day in which he said, over the past three seasons, a quarterback-wide receiver duo has shared 100 targets in only 92 occasions. So in other words, there were 92 quarterback-slash-wide receiver duos to share over 100 targets over the past three years. One of those was Baker Mayfield throwing the football to OBJ. Out of those 92 couples, 
quarterback wide receiver couples out of those 92, OBJ Mayfield ranked 90th in the NFL. They were the 19th, the 90th worst couple in the NFL in terms of passes that were on target. So OBJ has a point in being unhappy about his situation over at Cleveland. So I would say no, because first and foremost, I think the Cowboys do not need him. I think that the Cowboys have an elite offense, even after what we saw versus Denver. Uh, of course, I, I thought that was Cowboys. The Cowboys laying a neck, being punched in the mouth by the road team. I think they will get back on track, and I think they are still an elite offense in the NFL. So the Cowboys do not really need OBJ, like maybe, like maybe the Packers need an additional threat in their passing game, or the same for the Raiders after losing Henry Rocks to such an unfortunate um, situation. I agree with the, the people that are saying that, hey, let's not get OBJ. But also when I look at it, when I try to look at it from an unbiased position, I'm excited about watching OBJ in just about any other team in the NFL. Now, Dallas Junk says OBJ would be wide receiver five for us. Getting Cedric Wilson some, some love over there in the chat. But also, would that be that wrong? Because OBJ is not signing with a team for a multi-year deal. He's signing a one-year rental. Wherever he ends up in, he's, he's more than likely going to sign a one-year deal in order to hit free agency next March. So maybe him coming in and not being a starter is not the end of the world or anything like that. Again, I'm passing on OBJ, but I do think that as Cowboys fans, we're kind of biased towards saying no, because he might be a cancer for the team. He might not be a good locker room presence. And that might be true, but also the right situation could get him on the right path. And if you get the right version of OBJ, your offense is immediately you know, improved, even if it is a wide receiver number four or a wide receiver number five. Dre Drayson, we have too many of our own wide receivers to sign to. Think about dropping anything as a luxury. Dallas Jung says, Damon Arnett looked like he has some potential. Should, be si should we sign him? Damon Arnett going through some stuff in the Raiders. I would also pass on him. Even though he, I think he was a good cornerback for the Raiders. Hard pass on OBJ's thumb down his burner account. He's a problem in the locker room in everywhere he has played. To be fair, he has only played in two teams, though. Well, and none of them with quarterbacks, right? So you, you never know with that, these kind of situations. Think about Antonio Brown and what happened with him. Now that he's in the box, he's in the, he's in a right path. And, you know, they've improved his image. But yeah, overall, my answer would be no. The Cowboys should not sign OBJ. I'm just, I was just trying to play a little bit of devil's advocate here and say, hey, maybe we're a little bit biased on this conversation. I admit that we might be a little bit biased. Before we move on to the early look at the Falcons, though, let me ask you a question in the chat. Are the Dallas Cowboys a top three offense in the NFL? A lot of people might be doubting it after what we saw versus the Broncos. A lot of people might be doubting it after what we just talked about regarding the Cowboys being the 28th best offensive line in, in terms of pass block win rate. I think that the Cowboys are truly a top three offense in the league. Who are the other contenders, right? I think that there are only maybe three of them. I think that you have Tampa. I think that you have the Rams. And you might have the Chiefs and the Bills in this conversation as well. 
The Bucs and the Rams are top three, as well, in my opinion, with the Dallas Cowboys. These three teams, in my opinion, are the top three offenses in the league. The Bills are not being as explosive as, you know, as we thought they were going to be. And teams are playing them a lot with split safeties, and that's making them struggle, just like it is the case for the Kansas City Chiefs. But I would give the Cowboys the benefit of the doubt over these top three offenses. So I would give, I would give this you know, honor to the Rams, the Bucs, and the Cowboys. Here's one thing that I like about the Bucs so far and why I might feel like they are the top team in terms of offense right now. I think they're being way more aggressive on second down than they were last year. So they were shooting themselves on the foot last season when they were running the football on early downs. They're still running the football a lot on first down, but they are being more aggressive on second and long, which at the very least is an improvement for Tampa. People in the chat saying that, yes, right now I would say yes, says Joshua Davis. Tom Downey saying, no, they're not a top two offense. I don't know about top two, but I don't know if Burner Account actually, actually meant to type in three, top three offense. Stevie Max says, yes, Dallas Young says, no doubt in my mind. Danny says, yes, I do think they are. Arizona and Cac uh, Joshua Davis and Cactus both mentioning, hey, the Cardinals, we might be disrespecting the Cardinals. Cardinals better than them all, says Cactus. They have a nice thing going over there. I would give, I would give the Bucs the edge because of the passing game that they have and how, and, and you know, how, oh, that, that explains Cal's comment. He says, I thought you were talking about defenses. No, the Cowboys definitely do not have a top three defense in the NFL, but that explains Cal's answer in saying the Pats because I was confused. I'm not going to lie. I was confused about that answer, but Cal already said that he thought that I was, that I was talking about defenses. Uh, Tom Downey, burning account, bringing up something very interesting, saying I'd say top red zone offense is my biggest reason why not three, says Tom Downey's burner account. I think that is a fair concern. The Cowboys are still struggling within the 20-yard line of their opponents. And also, if you want another argument against the Cowboys for not being a top-three offense, I would maybe quote their fourth-down efficiency so far. It has not been great. I think that the Cowboys have the talent to bounce back in both categories, both in the red zone and in fourth-down conversion rates. But so far, they have struggled in those two cases, right? The thing about the Cardinals... And the Bucs, for example, is that the Bucs have a lot of receivers and the Bucs are a little bit more aggressive so far. But also the Cardinals, they have, a, they have some running backs out there. Chase Edmonds, James Conner, uh, Eno Benjamin. They, they have, I think that we are hating on the Cardinals. I will admit to that. I would not place him, place them though, as one of my top offenses in the NFL. Not yet. I'm excited about them as a balanced team. And I think that what makes them a better contender than some of these teams within the NFC might be the balance that they have across the board. But if we're talking offense only, I might think a little bit more about it. I might be a little bit more hesitant to put them in my top five. They're close though. They're close. The big question, of course, is also, all right, how healthy is Kyler Murray? And is that going to be an issue going forward? Because it happened in 2020. It happened back then. The Cardinals were killing it, and then Kyler Murray got injured, and his production started to decline heavily. So 
Uh, I want to say yes, but top three offenses don't get shut down the way they did Sunday. But hey, the Bucs have had some bad games. The Rams have had some games. Not, not as shut down as the Cowboys were versus the Broncos. I, I'll give you that. But the Rams struggled versus the Cardinals' defense. The, the Bucs versus the Saints' defense. The Bills were basically shut out versus the Jacks' defense. So I'm not entirely sure... Like, hey, I've seen some top teams get shut down this season, and I, we've all seen them. So I will give the Cowboys the benefit of the doubt. What is up, Steve White? Thank you for being here in the show, seeing Cuba Mo in the chat. Thank you for being here. And by the way, halftime, halftime announcement. Make sure you hit that like button and make sure you share the show. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, let your friends know that you're watching primetime. You're in ADC Sports. Now, let's take an early look at the Falcons. I, I want to share some thoughts with you guys on the Falcons, and mainly, this is it. I know we're scared about what happened on Sunday, and I am hesitant to be as, you know, confident in what I'm about to say, because, you know, some people think that jinxes are real, and some people think that, hey, let's not get overconfident anymore, but also, I don't want to get I don't want to let the Broncos care get in the way of me gi giving you my objective thoughts on what will happen next Sunday. Because I think that the Cowboys are in a great position to bounce back from such a devastating loss versus the, Fal versus the Broncos because the Falcons are 4-4. Four and four. If the season ended today, they would be in the playoffs for the NFC as the final wildcard of the conference. But let's take a look at the numbers as well. Let's take a look at DVOA, which measures value per play, efficiency, and things like that, especially taking into account down and distance and stuff like that. The Falcons are overall 31st in the NFL. That is only behind the Detroit Lions, 31st in the NFL. And if you want to break it down on offense, they are 25th. It is like their, quote, strength, unquote, Defensively, they are 31st in the NFL. And when it comes to special teams, they are also 31st. Let's put that into perspective. And of course, numbers are far from everything, but I think this is important. The Broncos are 20th in the NFL. That is significantly higher than the Falcons' ranking. 14th when it comes to offensive DVOA, even though their quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater, they've managed to be effective throughout With, with the running bank and the passing game. And then their defense is 22nd in the NFL. And to put it into even more perspective, the Cowboys are fifth overall, third on offense, and seventh on defense. A lot has been made about the Falcons' win over the Saints last weekend. And I understand it was impressive. They beat New Orleans. And even though they were playing with Travon Simeon, that was an impressive win. But fortunately for the Dallas Cowboys, They won in a way that is complicated to replicate, in my opinion. And what, what do I mean with that? I mean that, first and foremost, they had a lot of big plays. And to be specific, and this might be the one concern that, you, that we might have as, as Cowboys followers, because the Cowboys have struggled defensively versus big plays and, and have given up big chunks of yards in little plays. But versus the Saints... The Falcons had three players that averaged more than 19 yards per catch. And that is Cordell Patterson with 21 yards average per catch. Tight end Cal Pitts with 20.7. And another receiver, Sakius, and I'm not sure if I'm 
pronouncing that correctly, at 19.3. And that is without counting Russell Gage, who had seven catches for 64 yards, and that is a season high for him. So I think that it will be difficult for them to replicate that versatile passing attack, especially those big gains with so many receivers. Dallas Jung saying, I think that Diggs should travel with Cal Pitts. He is their most dangerous receiving threat. Pull a Bill Belichick. Interesting take from Bill, from Dallas Jung. I have not even I had not even thought about that. Would not be that crazy. I would be surprised if they do so, but it would not be that crazy. I know that you don't want Jordan Lewis involved with Cal Pitts at all, of course, because of the size and everything. I'm not sure if you want Trevon Diggs on a tight end. I'm thinking about it. You might also, you know, Jaron Kears in coverage would likely be destroyed by Cal Pitts. That's not a knock on Jaron Kears. That's just a shout out maybe to, to you know, uh, Cal Pitts and what he has been able to do. It will be very interesting to see how the Cowboys handle Pitts. I agree with that. He's a threat. He, is, he should not be seen only as a tight end, but as an offensive weapon. We need to take the Falcons seriously, says Cal. We do after what happened last Sunday, right? But also, objectively, the Cowboys are a better football team and they should win this game. But of course, the Cowboys should take them seriously and they should not be in a position like they were last Sunday in which they were punched in the mouth. Now, here's another thing that will be difficult to replicate for the, for the Falcons. They held the Saints to 3-4-10, for, to on third down. The Cowboys coming into last week's game before it happened, they were the fourth best team in the NFL in third down conversion rate. Chances are they will be able to move the chains if they find themselves in third and down situations. And also the offensive line for the Falcons is struggling, especially versus the run. So I don't think that the Cowboys will be allowing six yards per carry next Sunday versus the Falcons. I think this is a good matchup for the Cowboys. I don't know what the Broncos did. I, I really do not believe that they handed out a blueprint like we talked about last night here on primetime. I believe they were physical. I believe that the Cowboys maybe were overconfident. But even those reasons, I think they were the exception. I think that the Cowboys will come in focused. They will come in and they will not be caught off guard. And I think that the Cowboys should be able to get this win. And we'll break it down even more tomorrow and on Thursday, of course, but right now, I wanted to ask you guys this. After the Broncos shock, do you expect a dominant win or a close win? Or if you expect a loss, you can also tell us in the chat. After the Broncos shock, do you expect a dominant or a close win versus the Falcons? Again, if you expect maybe a loss, let us know in the chat. Because I, I expect the Cowboys to bounce back. But this is the NFL, and we are all scared. And, and, I, and that is more than fair. Hopefully the Cowboys are also scared. Uh, we need to let's use this their blueprints. This is Joshua Davis. I was reading a very interesting article from Ted Guy, and I recommend you read it in the Athletic on how the Broncos used cover one Chris Chris Scott, I believe is the name, versus the Cowboys. And I thought that was an interesting concept. If you are into X's and O's, you might be able to check it out and agree with it. Uh, Dean says, agreed. Tom Downey's burner accounts is close. Kyle says, I think it's good they need a wake-up call. They do. And hey, what a better way than answering a wake-up call than facing the Falcons next Sunday. I think it is a good matchup for the Cowboys.
Now, to be completely fair, the Cowboys' upcoming game is a Chiefs game, which might qualify this as a look-ahead trap for the Cowboys. But after what happened on Sunday, I don't know how you can look ahead all over to Week 11, right? The Cowboys should be 100% focused on, on the Falcons and not even think about the Chiefs right now. Even though they've struggled, the Kansas City Chiefs, you're going on the, run, uh, on the road late in November to face Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. The Cowboys cannot afford this to be a look-ahead game for them. Close says Joshua. Uh, Burrell says Showtime win. Dallas Young saying this is going to be a tough game. Uh, just wins says Charlie and Evans. Only thing that matters. Not with Dan Quinn says Burrell Killer. I think it will be close says Rodney. Uh, until late, eventually the boys pull away and win by 13. I think Rodney is onto something, especially because this is a noon game. Tom Downey's burner account says, I think people underestimate the margin of talent between good and bad teams. This in college where Bama plays some D2 school. That is a fair comment. That is a fair comment, of course. But also, even though this is the NFL and even though you're going to get some surprises, those surprises are always the exception, right? I agree with what Tom Downey's burner account is saying. But if you if you have the Bills and the Jacks play 100 times, the Bills are beating the Jacks 97 of those times, I believe. Maybe the number is not as high for the Cowboys and the Broncos, but, but just taking that example, if you put the Cowboys in, a, in the football field with the Falcons one out of uh, 100 times, the Cowboys are at least winning 9 out of 10, I believe, because they are a better football team. So I agree with, the, with what Tom Downey's burner account is saying, but I do believe that in general, it is fair to say this is a better team, and it is very clear. Now, the game is not played on paper, so on the field, a lot of things can happen. Last Sunday, it was the Cowboys getting dominated at both lines of scrimmage, uh, uh, in the line of scrimmage, excuse me, the Cowboys receivers being abused by the Broncos defensive backs. So we'll see. We'll see. Now, tomorrow we will have more things to talk about and more matchups to talk about regarding next Sunday's football game because we have turned the page here on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. We took a look at the game versus the Broncos. I'm not sure there's much to talk about anymore other than what we have already discussed. Of course, diving into the All-22, you always find a little bit, uh, a little bit of more things but we'll talk more about the Falcons tomorrow night here on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. And remember that on the One Cool Thing segment, I will share with you a story from, from Lyle Collins and Dak Prescott as told by Isaac Alarcon, the Cowboys offensive lineman that went viral on training camp thanks to Hard Knocks and his clip on him wanting cake and the way that he played versus the Steelers in that Hall of Fame game. We'll talk more about that tomorrow night. I thank you for being here in the show. I invite you to hit that like button, share the show. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, let your friends know that you're watching primetime. And make sure you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas for both more Cowboys content and more Mavericks content. Make sure you check that out. I will see you tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Central. Thank you guys for joining the show and thank you for listening to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. Thank you, Charlene. Thank you, Dallas Junk and everyone else in the Facebook chat and the YouTube chat. Uh, Daryl, just one last question. When is the Marcus Lawrence coming back? 
The expectation is late November, early December. I think it will be more or less early December, though. Rowdy is creepy, says Tom down his burner account. Just like a final closing thought. Thank you, Beryl, as well. And thank you, Stevie Mac. I will see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. Have a great Tuesday.